to Izzy and Gina in Stitches, informal conversation about life in general and art and embroidery in particular, with me, Gina Ferrari. I've got no Izzy with me this week, but I've got a very special guest. I'm quite excited to be talking to her. She's a tutor, an artist, an author of numerous books, many of which I think are on my bookshelf. She's gone from being one of the driving forces in adult education in Kent to become an internationally known artist, known everywhere for her colour. So welcome, Ruth Issa. It's lovely to speak to you. She's blushing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Gina. It's lovely to be with you. (laughs) It's really lovely to speak to you. It's been such a long time. So first of all, quick intro. How are you and what have you been up to recently? I'm absolutely fine. Um, We've been, you know, happily sitting up here in Shropshire um busy you know in the studio mainly because of lockdown done a bit of teaching recently done a bit of connecting with people recently because i just literally yesterday took down a six week long exhibition in stroud with dorothy tucker my friend from north Norfolk. so um it's been a very interesting six seven weeks where suddenly you know we had to go and put up an exhibition had to be there And when I went down to take it down yesterday, I sort of thought, gosh, I remember when we came to put it up, the sort of slight anxiety about being away from home, staying away from home, you know, Mm. stepping outside that sort of parameter. And since then, you know, I've done workshops, I've met the family again. And, you know, actually at the moment we're still fine and we haven't gone down with anything dreaded, but you have to be careful. You You do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you start to forget as things are opening up, you kind of go out and about and you forget that this, this is all still going on, don't you? But yes. Yeah. Exciting to be out in the world again. Yes. <laughs> Good. And exciting to do something new. Yeah. I think that was another thing. I know I've had exhibitions at the Knitting and Stitching before, but to actually have one in a gallery with a, a colleague and we had, we should have been there in, we should have been at the knitting and stitching last autumn. Right. We should have been in, in Stroud last May. You know, those things all went by the board. But in a funny way, it was quite nice because we just pootled on until we eventually somebody said, we're going to do it. And then you think, oh, right, I better get it all stretched up and framed and finished. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I'm, quite, I'm up for that. It's lovely. <laughs> in some ways, it sort of takes the pressure off, doesn't it, as well? It's like... <laughs> You know, well, there was a hell of a lot of pressure just before. Yeah, but different sort of pressure. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, okay, you've got to be doing, doing it now. But yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're obviously known to everyone for your colour. I mean, I think that's just your name is synonymous with it. So, um, and you, you embroider, print, dye textiles and so on. And, you know, we, we all know you for that. But really, how did it all start? That's what I wanted to know. So how did it evolve? Have you always been drawn to colour well I think I've always loved colour and I think I find it a very accessible way to communicate so you know some people want to draw but actually mine is about enticing people in with the colour and I didn't I didn't altogether realise it for some time until probably people started to say oh we love your colour and you think oh 
oh really I thought it was my you know my amazing way of doing something or, you know. <laughs> but when I look back I can see that colour and organising colour and working with the colour and then actually learning about dyeing and but in a very limited way you know just to be able to get colour onto a fabric and then to be able to use it easily just seemed to be important but it does go back a long way I do remember you know being allowed a paint box and you know those sort of things about when as a small child loving colour and and not being able to choose one you know one ribbon you know when you're allowed to buy a ribbon for your hair not being able to choose just one you know having to have lots yes so um yeah I think I but but then I think you know uh, going through art college was interesting because I, I did five years at art college okay. and I was quite young when I went and so I didn't get straight onto the degree course. So I had my second foundation year, which I spent really screen printing and weaving. Um, and that was great fun. I mean, you know, I was only 17. It was in the 60s, you know, you were wearing tights, level of skirts were going up, bras were coming <laughs> off. It was all liberating. And so you know, A, you were in a very good position because you were a groovy art student. And, you know, my brother was still wearing a tie, you know, <laughs> but he's that much older than me, you know, and I was, you know, he was not sure quite, you know, I had eye makeup, you know, all over the place. So that was, that was a great time. And um, I enjoyed my time as a student. And it also, I was quite politically active during being a student. Right. And I thought I've got it out of my system, I suppose. <laughs> So now I'm not at all politically active. Joe, yeah. um, <laughs> I think that's precisely why my father wouldn't let me go to art college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can understand that. Whereas my father was the kind of person, my father was a clergyman. Right. But he he was always, you know, go at it the wrong way around. So when Chas and I got married, yeah, I said I wasn't going to wear white and I was going to have embroidery in my dress. And my father said, because my brother gave me away, because my dad married us. And my father said, waddle up the church path, give the old biddies something to talk about. Brilliant. <laughs> Love it. He had faith in us and that was all that mattered. And, yeah. you know, he knew that I wasn't going to be an academic. He was an academic, but he just wanted me to do what I was passionate about, which is a fantastic foundation, isn't it? It you is. Know? And that passion obviously shines through. It's, it's lovely to have been encouraged, yeah. really. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I think it's lovely because... If you if you are enthusiastic about it, you share it with people, and actually people come back to you. And it do, yeah. If people are nervous, they usually share it quite early on, and so you can help them to have to just see that actually it's quite easy steps to have successes and not to run too quickly. You know, to value value something that's special for you. The old hands are going here. It's all right. (laughs) Nobody can see your hands going. Except me, that's fine. I, I talk with my hands too. <laughs> now, I, I mean, I was trying to think back when I very first met you and when I chatted to Viv, I remember doing a play day with Art Van Gogh. Oh. One of these, it was one day and we played with materials that I'd never come across before. And I'm pretty certain you did a morning and Viv did an afternoon. It was so long ago. And that was the first time I'd heard of you. So that was sort of obviously the start of a connection with Art Van Gogh which went on for a long time, didn't it? So how did that yeah. start? Well, I think the interesting thing about that was that I was working down in Kent and 
it was about the time the new syllabus is developed for city and guilds. Sure. And um, one of my colleagues within Kent said, oh, there's this girl who's got an art plan and she'll come to the adult education centers. So within Kent, we sort of organized that this girl would come, you see. And I remember Viv coming to a design course I had. And, you know, I said, well, will, will you come? And, um, you know, bring some stuff. And so she came and she had this box, typical Viv, you know, and this is a 75 pound paintbrush. And, like, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, and she went through all these things and, you know, the, the knowledge was pouring out and we all sort of stood there with our mouths open. And then she started coming regularly to the centre. And of course, being Viv and I, the conversations after the students had all gone home, got longer and longer and longer. And, you know, she said, well, try this, you know, you know, Viv's way of doing it in those days. And eventually she said, you know, could you put together a portfolio of ideas having tried these art materials? And that was really where we sort of started this game of why don't I try acrylic? Why don't I try ink over the acrylic? What happens? Wow, you know, yeah. lights, sparks, iridescence, colours, um, Markle paint sticks layering in, you know, all those things about finding new ways to express yourself. Whereas I think at art college, you know, we had cartridge paper and gouache, you know, and I can't remember perhaps doing a bit of collage, but I mean, you know, the idea of just colouring papers freely and then later on cutting them to get what you want or tearing them sort of just didn't happen. Maybe maybe they weren't around. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was the first time I'd come across anything like that. It was really exciting, mixing powders in things. And Yeah, and I think the other thing, there was a huge generosity, you know, from, yes. from Viv. It was always, you know, try this, try. And then you, you started, and then, of course, you then shared it with the students. The students then bring back lots of ideas, and it, it just cascades. I mean, it's fantastic. And I love that. I love that. I still love it. Um, yes. You know, it's 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 trying to decide where to put your energies when you get a bit older. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I get excited about things, and then you think, oh no, I just have, there's not enough hours in the day. <laughs> You've got to decide. And also, to... you know, I can remember sort of saying, okay, you know, I love making felt and pre-felts and things like that. Mm. And, you know, because it was colour mixing again and having yeah. all these, and then, you know, all the carding and things. And I, I had a great spurs of it. And then I did two weeks of it in America with Gail Harker students. And at the end of it, my wrists were giving me absolute hell. And I thought, make a decision, Ruth, you yeah. know, actually. So I've still got my carders and I've still got my pre-felts, but all my fibres and everything I gave away to a great friend of mine, Di Buttonshaw, from Kent and I just thought you know limit yourself limit yourself yeah <laughs> you know you end up with all this stuff this is something else we've talked about as well don't you and you think it's, it's got to go yeah. <laughs> down yeah. downsizing worked for that <laughs> yep yep we're on the way <laughs> <laughs> so you know obviously this connection with Art Van Gogh went on because you demonstrated for them as well didn't you for years that the shows well, and things like that well that was wonderful actually I mean Again, that was another thing that Viv then decided she'd take a stand at a show. So I think the first one I did with her was at the National Chap 
patchwork championships at Awthorpe, you know, Lady Di's home. And we had this tiny stand and I stayed with them. And it was before Kev helped in the business. And I used to have a Lloyd Loom chair in the van and we used to rattle up wherever it was, the A1 or something, you know, with me holding onto the side. <laughs> Precarious. Yes. And, um, you know, after about two or three days, I mean, because it was a very limited size stand, I just thought I'll work with Markle. Well, actually working four days with Markle, I mean, apart from the us, Viv said after about day three, can you use something else? Because we're running out, <laughs> you know, because whatever you demonstrated, if it looked good, people would buy it. Sure. As simple as that. So, so that was when I started thinking about using acrylic onto fabric and just seeing if I could print with it and trying different ideas. And the other thing about there was there was nowhere to wash up. So, you know, they, there was a little gardener's shed which had a loo in it, which all the storeholders used to go and go to the loo. Right. So there was really nowhere to clean up. So baby wipes, which I think now are environmentally really bad, came into their own because I could keep cleaning up by using baby wipes. Yeah. So that was where it started and then it built. And I think not long after that, Viv decided to take a stand at knitting and stitching show. Then it all just exploded really because, you know, there were just so many people went to it. Yeah. Um, I then had to think, okay, what can I do for four days solidly? Really, you couldn't get a break. If you, if you walked away from the stand, people would say, you know, when is she coming back? They would be bothering them. And then if you if you try to eat your sandwich or something, people would say, while you're eating your sandwich, can I ask you? <laughs> but it was fantastic because I would think up, sort of tape up boards with fabric. I would have pieces of paper. I'd perhaps get some print blocks ready. And in my head, I had an idea of some of the things I'd like to explore. But the fabulous thing for me was that because I was telling people about the products and explaining what they would do, the other side of my brain was saying, you know, put red in there, now with a yellow. Da, 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 da. Whereas normally at home, I'd be going, oh, I wonder whether I should put yellow there. You know, yeah. it actually is that left and right hand side of the brain, which I found amazingly liberating. And then, you know, as you did pieces of work, I had plastic and I rolled them up, stuffed them under the table. And at the end of the week, I'd have this great pile of stuff, which I'd toddle off back home. Later in the week, I'd unroll them all. And there were some amazing pieces. Brilliant. Because you were doing it almost sort of in a drunken stupor. I wasn't in a drunken stupor, but you were high on the adrenaline and everybody chatting to you. It was mm. amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Exhausting, though. <laughs> Exhausting, but I, you know, have a lot to thank Viv for, for giving me that forum. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was hard work. We all know it was damned hard work. And, you know, you'd go and help set up and you wouldn't, I wouldn't leave on the Sunday until, you know, we'd help with breakdown. And, you know, I can remember the teenage years when the kids used to come up to London and they'd come to Ali Pali and help us to break down all those sort of things. Yeah. Um, you know, and they they have, you know, lovely memories of helping or sort of being around. I don't know whether they helped that much, but... <laughs> but they, they, 
I think they'd had a weekend in London and then would get a lift home from mum, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah, obviously Art Van Gogh isn't your only big connection. I mean, your connections with other people through the years. I mean, I've been to classes with you and Bobby Britnell. Yeah. Which was a fabulous collaboration teaching-wise, I felt. Again, compliment each other. And then just thinking about your exhibition with Dorothy, I can't yeah. think of two people whose work is so different. Yes. But obviously it works. Yeah. I think I think that, that that really comes through the connection of being belonging to the textile study group. Sure. So that was amazing to me. So that came about in about the late, I don't know, late 90s, I suppose. And that was really through Jeanette Durrant, who was the chair at the time from Norwich. And she was very keen to broaden the the group. And so the, you know, suddenly get this letter saying, would you like to come and spend the weekend with the textile study group? Now, you sort of knew of people. Um, people like Val Campbell Hardy had been yeah. part of the textile study group, but she hadn't stayed that long. But there, there are other super people like Jane Lemon, um, Jean Draper, you know, all kinds of really interesting people, Rose and Rose Campbell and Ali King from Edinburgh. But the thing about it was that you were a teacher and a practitioner. Right. That was the great difference, as you, you know. And I, I thought that it was fantastic because I just went. And I remember Mary Slee was there. We were sort of on, you know, on trial and we were, you know, there and very nervous. And then once I joined the group, I still felt, I don't know why you've asked me to belong to this group, right. because it was called the practical study group in those days. Yes. And it was very stitch based. And at that point, although my degree was in embroidery, um, I really was very interested in liquid colour, you know, yeah. and what I could do with it. So I thought this is really strange. And then one of the early weekends that the TSG had, they actually asked me to tutor the whole group about art materials, which, <laughs> and actually Constance Howard was there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she said, I don't really know much about colour. What? <laughs> You've got green hair. You know. I was just going to say that, the lady with green hair, that's rich. <laughs> I mean, she was pretty elderly, but, but there were some wonderful, wonderful people, particularly people who are a little bit older, who really supported you and said, you know, go for it, you know, have courage. And I, I just think that that's such a, a lovely heritage to have from people who've been there, done it, got the t-shirt, got the stars, who yeah. then share with you and, you know, and give you books. And I don't know, there's just something about it. And, and I'd like to pass that on to other people as well, sure. you know. Yeah. So from the textile study group, then, of course, when we relocated from Kent, because there came a point where the kids had gone, Chas had sold his business and said, Kent and the M20 and the Channel Tunnel is just getting too much. Sure. Let's let's do what, you know, let's escape. Let's let's do this. Let's go. And so we relocated to Shropshire, which is where we are at the moment. And we found this cottage, which has got three bedrooms, but it's got a standalone studio. So it was like, I'm sitting upstairs and at the moment, it was like I'd died and gone to heaven, you know, and 
when we came to view it, it's half a mile from the road down a track. Right. And I thought, Chaz is never going to accept this. But as we drove out, he said, it's only half a mile from the road. And I thought, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been here 14 years. Gosh, is it that long? I remember when you moved. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we're just in the process of selling it now. Mm. But the, because we're ready for another adventure. But the point about it was when we came here, Bobby Britnell was about 35 minutes away. Right. And, and so we started doing working together courses, which, I mean, was hilarious um, because I have a tendency to work it out of my head and then go for it and to adjust the time accordingly. But of course, when you're working together, you've got to have a bit more of a structure. Right. And, and, and Bobby's wonderful at organising me. You know, said, well, that would do this and that, do that. And and then after half an hour, I'll do this and then, you know. So that was fine in theory. It just got a bit chaotic as the course went on. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they were good and we we enjoyed them. Yeah, it was good. But I think there came a point where we just thought, actually, we need a break. You know, I think that's. Yeah. And, and things move on, don't they? You, you change as well. And I think the, the other thing that really showed was that Bobby is absolutely wonderful with her teaching of drawing and, and structure and, and, you know, measuring and, you know, really good yeah. in that way. But also the creative development with the drawing and helping people get form and, and things like that. And, and I just work in a different way. I get, yes. you know, all the ingredients and we put our finger in each pot and see what happens, you know, so sort of just sure. a different way of working. And it was quite interesting because we found that we were, I started to teach the group and we found that we had people who would either come to me or come to Poppy. And there was no problem about it, but it was just great. And so over the years, I've had two groups up at Bobby's who have come regularly. Um, you know, one group who used to come once a month for one day, and another group who'd come two days every six weeks. And they have been so loyal. It's been amazing. Lovely. And the groups have metamorphosized and, you know, but there's still a core. And they are wonderful, been wonderful friends. And sadly, I shall have the last two days with them. Oh. <laughs> at the end of the month. <laughs> but they, they told me they're not going to let me get away with it. So No, they won't. <laughs> I'm sure. No, no, no. <laughs> so, you know, working with Bobby has been great. And um, it, you know, she's got a lovely, she's built a lovely business there. People know it's a place to come and do interesting different courses. Um, and we are both still members of the textile study group. Sure. We're still, you know, I mean, it's, it's lovely. I've got some really lovely th friends through that. And, and then, the relationship with Dorothy goes back to a long, long time ago with the Embroiderers Guild. Really? When the Embroiderers Guild had a scheme called the Embroidery Development Scheme, where they, it was really about the early days of when the new syllabus in City and Guilds came, when they started doing preparing working designs. Yep. And we all met in Bristol for a conference and I was on this sort of group which they pulled in, which was people from school education and adult education and university education. 
And it was decided we were going to have this conference. And there were people like Anthony Godfrey and Jean, um, Jean Draper. Uh, they got um, Jan Messant to come and do um, a workshop. And uh, they were all quite a, and everybody said, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. And I was sat there at this meeting and everybody said, oh, well, I'll do, I'll do a session on X, you see. And they were fitting it into timetable and suddenly it was the opening one was the nobody been allocated for and i thought ah i've been shafted <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to have to do this opening you know welcome to this conference oh, wow. so i went back and i said to Charles, what the hell am i going to do and he said well your life is like a load of carrier bags you know that you you go to sainsbury's in the days that we all came home with all these carrier bags and you know and you've got and you've got a workshop here and you've got the kids pack lunches there we've got cat food there and so <laughs> i did this opening talk with all these carrier bags and people just roared because they recognized that, that scenario of being yeah. a mum with teenagers with a husband who's trying to work you're trying to make a career for yourself and you're just spinning plates, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you must remember that, you know. Yeah, all too clearly. <laughs> and yet you, at the end of it all, deep down, you've got to survive. So you, your creative work, it has to, you have to find a space for it somewhere. Yeah, it has to come out, doesn't it, somewhere? It does. Yeah. And, yes. and, and, and in one way, I'm sure a period of time, that creativity came out with communicating with people and sharing and teaching and in encouraging people to have a go. Yeah. And actually my own work got pushed back because the creative side was designing courses. And Yeah, I think that is true with the teaching. And that's, yeah. I think what I'm enjoying now is that I'm teaching on my own terms when I want to, and it's given me time to work. Yeah, yeah, which is part of, Getting more mature, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> so the exhibition has been a great success by the sound of it. Well, we put it up and we were quite prepared, you know, to, to see what would happen. And I have been blown away by the sales, absolutely blown away. And it was only yesterday when I went down and saw Abigail, who runs the museum in the park and who is absolute dream to work for and so enthusiastic. Brilliant. And so it's been wonderful to have all this colour here and people have been uplifted by it. And we had a little visitor's book, so you know people were able to write in it. And then when we went through the sales sheets yesterday, what I'm really thrilled about is that there are lots of local sales, local people, have bought the work. That's good, yeah. And it was interesting because a lady came in and she said, she just came in and she said, I really like that piece over there. There was a little series of three. And I said, well, I think the one that you're pointing out, I think it's just been sold. Oh, she said, this was last week. So it had been on for right. five weeks. And she said, oh, well, I suppose, I suppose I could cope with that one, she said. So, <laughs> It's part of the same series. When I went back yesterday, she'd come back and bought 
another one. So actually, she's got two. Definitely. And I just think that's, that's really nice that people, you know, think about it and then think, hmm, yeah, actually, I think I'll have another one of those sweets out of that box. Yeah, you know, that's good. Yeah. It's lovely. I'm thrilled to bits because I just feel if people can enjoy the colour and the surface and find something that I found in it, then great, lovely. You know. That's exciting, isn't it? That yeah, it is. Yeah, just sort of yeah. passing on that joy that you feel in your work and other people yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Then the other thing that we decided to do was that we wanted to have in the we wanted to have they've got lovely display cabinets with perspex box tops. And um, we wanted to share some of the sort of conversation about colour combinations. Mm -hmm. And and that was quite interesting because in going Looking back through my work, on, my, on the whole, I don't use a lot of black, but it was interesting that during the last winter, quite a bit of black had crept in. Right. And you thought, hmm, this is quite interesting. Is this because you're feeling gloomy or is it just that there's a fascination about the moodiness of things, you know? Um, so there was that. But we also did, in these display cabinets, little, oh, little paintings, little colour little things that sort of generate ideas. Right. Dot had done some beautiful little samples, which when I was taking them out of the display cabinet yesterday, I I just said to Chas, gosh, I actually hadn't seen these really because right. they were flat down. When I picked them up, you know, there were different qualities to them. So there's a sort of conversation that I think, you know, we need to have at some point about the scale of things and yeah. how... Sometimes when things are little, they're even more beautiful, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I also had, I'm sure you've seen, I've got those little spiral bound uh, A, it must be an A5 square sure. uh, book. And I've always stuck in bits of, um, from dyeing sessions when I've mixed colours, I've always put bits of fabric so that when you open them out they're just a ray of of these fabrics and I've got probably a dozen of these books all dated going back right with venues where I've done the things and I managed to work out a system where you could stand them so that people could look at them people have written in the in the visitors book I wish we could have got our hands on the sketchbooks <laughs> Yeah, I remember looking through your sketchbooks on courses. Yeah, beautiful things. It, it, and it is, it's that colour draws you in, doesn't it? It is. And I used to work in a big sketchbook at the Knitting and Stitching Show as well, which was always a bit of a nightmare because you wanted to turn the page over. But that that sort of got the pages covered. I, you know, I really miss that, actually. Mm. I don't get nearly as much into a big sketchbook these days because it's all on bits of paper, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So yeah, collaboration with people is is great, and we're the textile study group are just starting a project now, because we will be fifty years. The group will be fifty years old. Wow! Um, um, may I point out some of us haven't been there for fifty years? <laughs> I didn't like to say. <laughs> I think it's going to be called Making Fifty. We're just sort of getting our act together on it. And it's sort of quite nice because people are saying, 
anybody feel that they would like a Zoom conversation? And so two or three people are meeting up and then other, I mean, Dorothy and I have said, actually, we'd like to continue our conversation because we're used to doing it. And, um, but we're always happy to converse with anybody else. So oh, that'd be like, fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. To look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was then sort of thinking about our connection because I've known you a long time and I've not seen you for a lot for ages um and I think I did a master class with you at Art Van Gogh perhaps initially that was, yeah. that was quite some years ago wasn't it and, mm, yeah. yeah I think we that came about because when Viv first opened the shop and when we were first up here I did quite a number and I go back through my file you know there was always oh two or three periods in the year when I would go down to Art Van Gogh for three or four days and we would put in all these courses and then you know Viv said you know maybe we should do a colour masterclass which you know but actually we realised that's really difficult because how do you actually know what experience people have so it, it was a bit it, I mean some of it was good some of it wasn't I just felt it was a difficult one to ever established properly it's actually you know it's a bit like post city and guilds yes. you know what do you do what is the next stage and you know as you know you know some people can go on to degree or there are so many things have changed within further education yes you know? and i can remember people who had finished city and guilds with me um then got direct access onto an ma right. from their portfolio but then the whole thing of a BA and everything changed. So, yeah, I um, think for me it was that that step. I I'd done my city and guilds, and it was yeah. what do I do next? I was looking to sort of take my work yeah. further, and yeah, so yeah, I think I think it was a difficult one because city and guilds gave you lots of skills, and also the designing gave you lots of um, other skills. But actually, how did it all pull together? And the art colleges couldn't quite understand that. You know, they yeah. they want get you back to the beginning again yeah I, I mean for me city and guilds gave me lots of skills but it didn't I didn't ever feel it really launched me into doing my own work no I needed no. to take that further and explore that further and I, I think I think a lot of us felt that I think yes. you know that, that, that there was this missing link sure of of how people go further um it's quite interesting because again somebody who's just turned up out of the blue is somebody who did sitting in Gillsbury 20 years ago. And actually, when she finished her sitting in Guilds, I said, you know, you really ought to go to art college. And she's just got in touch with me after all this time and said, you know, I've done the art college bit. I did it. I ended up doing photography. And I've now just decided I've really got to have some colour again. <laughs> and so she came down to Stroud last week, the week before us. And, you know, we've met up again. And, you know, I just find it really interesting how after all these years, people can find you. Yes. You've said, oh, you don't have a website, you don't. But actually, people can find you if they really want to. And, and she found me through the Textile Study Group website. Yeah. You know, I find I haven't needed a website. Yeah, I mean, that was something I was going to ask. So that's really interesting, actually, because Izzy and I did a whole programme about social media and everyone says you need oh. a website and you need a mailing list and all this sort of thing. But you don't. And yet it's not hurt you at all, has it? <laughs> well, you know, how much, how many people do you need to communicate with 
Brilliant. You know, all the time. I mean, I love communicating with people, don't get me wrong. I love being with people, but I also love being on my own. Yeah. You know, I'm a real all or nothing person. And when I think about it, even at art college, you know, I'd be out there at the disco really enjoying myself, or I'd be back in my bedsit working away. It was always all or nothing. Sure. Um, and I'm, we both said we're quite happy, quite happy, you know. But then, you know, we get together with a load of friends or we get together with the family and it's, you know, manic. But I'm really happy to go away and just be quiet. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I just felt it's just going to bring a whole lot of extra work that I don't necessarily need. I rather like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel about a website because you've got a website it constantly needs updating I mean I know yes. the gallery part of mine needs updating I was trying to put images on yesterday and I couldn't remember how to put the titles on and so I've left it and it's just another hassle and you spend yes. so much time on admin when I'd actually rather be out putting paint on yes. paper and fabric and yes and I think that's the stage you get to and that was where I got to that, and I, you know, I used to have a great big file with all the workshops in and you spent ages dealing with groups and, you know, sending the pre-course information. And, you know, I, gradually, gradually that's reduced. And I now actually have time where I can get up in the morning and think, now I can get on and work with that in the studio. Or, And it's amazing. I mean, somebody commissioned me last week to do a piece of work and I actually thought right, I can get on with that on Friday get on with it sure you know? and then it's a pleasure rather than a pressure isn't it yeah yes. and you feel yeah. um you feel enthusiastic about it and it, it's it's interesting because when we were students as part of our degree course we had a week in London and we went to visit various designers and places and one of the people we went to see was Beryl Dean, the ecclesiastical embroiderer. Yeah. And we were all appalled because she was working on this piece. And she said, oh, and this is designed for something I've been commissioned for, but I won't get around to doing it for seven years. And we just, <laughs> our faces, and we just all said, what? You know, I mean, I would have been, I mean, the thought of going back to something I designed no. a year ago, you know, all that lovely energy. It's gone. So, Who knows what we'll be doing in seven years' time? I know. I know. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah very. Uh, so I think that, you know, I think it's important not to get overcluttered. Yeah. So what if you've got bookings for 18 months ahead, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know. I think there's a lesson to be learned there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's possibly being a bit unfair to people who really need to have that security. Yeah. And But I don't know. Um, we can manage. We rub by, you know, chairs moans if I haven't earned so much. But OK, we won't yeah. go to the pubs often. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. <laughs> don't go at all, these days. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um yeah, there's a lot to be said for that because I mean, there's, there's a lot of pressure with social media and everything else just to keep putting things yes. out there and keeping your name out there. And yeah, maybe you don't need to. I made a conscious effort to 
start posting on Facebook in relation to the exhibition. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's made a huge difference. I mean, it's been lovely. People have said, had lots of comments and and the students that I used to teach in America said, oh, I wish we could come. And, sure. You know, um, and love the colour and all that. You know, that's lovely. And I've been able to post things of Dorothy's as well, which has been lovely and make the comparison. Whether I will carry on, well, I may do, but, you know, I, I mean, I've tried during the exhibition to, to put stuff up every few days so that actually you're building a momentum. And I do, I look and I think it's, I'm, I think I'm a looker and I think there are lots of people who are lookers, you know. Yes. But, but you know, um, I don't know, you keep, you keep in contact with people you want to keep in contact absolutely. with. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I suppose yeah. those connections... Yeah, I'm, I was thinking again about, like you say, I suppose you you were brought to mind to me because I saw your posts on Facebook and things like that. And mm. We've got some connections and had some ex- fun experiences over the years. <laughs> <laughs> we don't necessarily have to talk about those today, but I was going to sort of ask you, what, what are some of the highlights? What are some of the fun parts over the years? Oh, I think doing some of the adventures that, I mean, in the early days, doing the Art Van Gogh roadshows where... I mean, Viv and I had, had this idea, it'd be great to get out and about around the country. She would do the van and I would do workshops. And she brought in a lovely person called Louise from Birmingham who organized it. So Louise got the venues, Louise booked a B&B, Louise took the bookings, Viv sold the products and put together boxes. And I did three two-hour workshops in a day. Right. Absolutely bonkers <laughs> <laughs> because they were I think it was 10 to 12 12 30 to 2 30 say no it couldn't have been anyway it was it was 9 30 to 11 30 that's right 12 to 2 2 30 to 4 30 and they were on three different subjects so it'd be one would be say glitz and glisten one would be uh fabrics and one would be I don't know paper say and Viv you know we had tins with you know sweet tins with all the products in people came in and you know it was all don't worry Ruth when the workshop ends you will walk out we will tidy up and then you come back in half an hour later having had a sandwich and a cup of coffee and you do the next workshop well you don't it doesn't work like it doesn't that. work that way does it <laughs> you know chaos <laughs> But it was great fun. And we, you know, so off we went. So Louise booked the accommodation and Viv and I shared a twin room. (laughs) We have shared, haven't we? Not not a room, but a a cabin. (laughs) You had the top bunk. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, but it it was fun. We did uh, one in, in, um, we did one in Dunblane. We did, or Sterling, I think, and then we did, oh, all over the place, Arundel. And in the early days, um, after a bit, they tried to get other traders to come. Sure. So, you know, Barbary Silks came and, uh, did, you know, people who were sort of local. So that made a sort of a way day. And we did that, I think, for about three years. I mean, probably one of the most memorable was we did one down at Bridgewater in Somerset. And Sean Martin right. said she put us up. 
So I left Kent early in, early in the day to get to Somerset. And we were going to go in in the evening, set it all up. And the next day would be two days of these three workshops. I got onto the M25 and a lorry, it was when they were widening the M25, a lorry had hit a concrete thing mm. and everything ground to a halt. And I just sat there, I was, you know, stuck. Viv, meanwhile, had arrived almost at um, Somerset and had had a blowout. Oh no. <laughs> and so I think we eventually arrived at Chance about nine o'clock at night with nothing set up and had to go in early the next day, load it all in and start a workshop. I mean, oh, bonkers, absolutely yeah. bonkers. <laughs> yeah. We we did these things, but it was good fun. We, we you know, I don't know. And Viv, Viv was so strong, she could bring all this stuff in and out from the really? van. <laughs> I do remember us talking about it and Viv and I saying, and maybe in the summer we could camp. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, the one thing we really wanted at the end of the day was a comfy bed and a shower. You know? Indeed. I mean, that, that's why we ended up with a cabin. Do you remember that? Because we were coming back from Jersey and they yeah. weren't going to pay for us to have a cabin, were they? Um, Unbelievable. I know. Yeah, and, the, and we all had to then drive on the other side to go home. It's night crossing. And poor old Paddy Killer had to drive all the way to Newcastle. Indeed. So. I mean, you know, how mad was that? But we did compromise and they paid for the three of us to share, didn't they? Right. Yes, I know, I know. And and uh, and I seem to remember we went off to the bar, leaving yes. Paddy to, to eat her meal in the in the cabin. Yeah, I, I do remember. I mean, she's she's lovely, bless her. And it was because we just sort of stripped off the T-shirt and knickers and climbed into our bunk bed. <laughs> and she spent half an hour in the bathroom with uh, her hair all in not not in rollers but tied up and her, her makeup all taken off and her pajamas on bless her yeah i think we just crashed <laughs> we did <laughs> that's what happens when you go to the bar <laughs> yeah no well that's right but they, they they're always good fun those sort of trips weren't they like going yes. to and and i do remember you know sitting having a long chat with you by the beach somewhere when we were on in jersey it was it was fun it you was know? yeah I, I went two years running and i just loved it yeah. Yeah, inspiring. Yeah. 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 And and the same, I mean, I was lucky because I also did the Fiber Forum in Australia. Right. Which was great fun. And um, we fitted it with a bit of seeing some very distant relatives. But you know, that was that was great fun. And just to be with completely different people. And then of course I did about six years of going backwards and forwards to north of Seattle right. to the right. Harker Center. Um, and that was terrific. I've still got a lot of friends from there um, who I still respond to. And it was a beautiful part of the country to go to. And Gail had a wonderful centre. And the, the work was amazing that, I, that we got out of the students there. That, that was great fun. Um, but I think in the end, it was interesting. It wasn't so much the teaching. It was the whole organisation and the going through immigration and they were so they could be so horrible to you that I just and the students who came in from Canada used to get it as well that just in the end I just thought do I need this because I was getting anxious about it before we went right and um I just thought uh, I think and Gail said no you know you've done your bit you've yeah. done whatever it was six seven years 
it's fine and you, you move on don't you? you move on to other things yeah you do yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's been absolutely lovely chatting to you it really has now we usually finish yeah. Yes. Our podcast with something called Diversions and Discoveries, and which is always quite funny because yeah, you know, it's not always art related. It's anything that might have inspired us. And when we were thinking about it, Izzy and I realised that most of the time it's either food <laughs> or something we've watched on TV. And we always start by saying we don't watch a lot of television, but <laughs> so do you have a diversion or discovery for us? Well, it's interesting. I think that I was thinking about that this morning, and I think it's about a sense of place and history and it's it's not a, a massive thing that I read lots of tones but I love sort of engrossing myself in the feeling of what has happened in this place before okay so like where we live now it's a cottage which was derelict before our the previous people bought it and before that there was a man and we only know, knew this because a, a man turned up one day and he said his grandfather had lived here and had bred ducks here. Oh, wow. <laughs> and actually, you know, it all connects. And, you know, he had this little small holding and a duck pond and he then produced some photographs of it. So it, it's that whole thing about that, that feeling of history that pe- somebody else has lived here and had a life here yeah and um and I suppose that when I grew up the house I was born in in Gloucestershire was built in 1250 and you know had been a palace for the bishops of Worcester and my father had read history and so he was always telling us the history of the house and so it was a huge great freezing cold Cotswoldstone rectory which my brother and I could run riot in, but we we still engage in conversations about the history of it. So it is that history and that connection that I love, right. um, and and I I like that even you know when I'm sitting looking at landscape in the the recent exhibition, some of the pieces are related to looking at the light and the and while I've called them by the names that I've found on the OS map, like Brow's Edge and Ridgeway and things like that, okay. which are just local names to hear. I just find that fascinating, you know? Um, and I suppose that things like when they do, who do you think you are yeah. on television? I find that interesting because it is that amazing resource that if you really want to look it up, that we have. And Indeed. That, you know, I find it amazing when somebody comes from the West Indies, they can go back and they've got fantastic records of, you know, who was born where. Um, I just think, I don't know what it is because we're, we're very transitory, aren't we? You know, we I mean, and yet it's terribly important. Family and, you know, those kind of things are important. Yeah, it's connecting. Yeah. yeah. Connecting yeah. again. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. So, oh. so that's my my external passion. But otherwise, I think I'm driven by. I think I wake in the morning thinking, now what shall I do and how shall I do it? And <laughs> apart from thinking, what the hell are we going to eat for supper? <laughs> <laughs> you see, it's food. There's always food there. <laughs> well, 
it is very important <laughs> it is yeah no it does it does drive me I, I get up and walk the dog first thing and that and I'm walking thinking now oh, what's for breakfast when I get home <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Well, you know, it's uh, routine is is important, isn't it? As well. Okay. I mean, I mean, we're we're into this new adventure because we will, you know, head off and and we have to find a new place to make a new home. But I'm excited about. We're both very excited about it. Actually. Oh, that's good. Um, I just think it's time to have another adventure. Brilliant. I love it. It's been really, really lovely chatting to you and seeing you after so long. It's been fabulous. Yeah. Well, you know, if we're now that we, in theory, should be further east, we'll be able to connect closer know? to me now, won't you? Actually, yeah. Over this well, yeah. if we if we find somewhere, that will be oh. the next. Thing. You've got a spare room, haven't you? Yeah, very small, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, <laughs> we can always no. put our beds in there. <laughs> No, I think that, that yeah. no, you know, we'll find something. It's, uh, it's exciting, exciting. It is lovely. Mm. Well, but in the meantime, I think we have Christmas coming up, which will be lovely, won't it? Indeed. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Ruth, and I hope it all goes well for you and Chaz in your new adventures in Suffolk. If you've enjoyed listening to this chat with Ruth, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, sharing, you know, all the things because it helps others find us. As usual, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, just before the new year. In the meantime, you can find us at isabelmore.co.uk and ginaferrari-art.co.uk. It just remains for me to wish you all a very, very happy and peaceful Christmas. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. If you like the music it's by Ixon and you can find it at soundcloud.com slash Ixon and the link is also in the show notes.